Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. All right, are you guys excited to be in the presence of the Lord tonight? All right, you guys can be seated. All right. All right, I'm excited to be here tonight. You know, I love to I love to be in the best place on a Wednesday night. Come on, reach reach church in the city of Paramount. I, I love this church. I obviously I grew up with it. I grew up in it. And uh, before I begin, I gotta honor our pastors, my parents, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty, uh, really just for establishing what we have here. Uh, also want to honor the pastoral staff, Isaac and Lizzie, Robin, Carly, John and Christina, and my brother Omar. Pastor Omar, the worship pastor. And lastly, uh, I always have to do this. I want to honor my beautiful wife who is in the building. Um, she's the best. I love her. And actually, I, I want to give a shout out to Reach Youth. Like, they saved two rows right here in the front. Honestly, I, I, love, I love Reach Youth, man. Thank you. They're the best. Um, you see, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to speak tonight. Um, as I begin to, to think about what, I, what to talk about, as I begin to pray, um, I began to think about culture. I began to think about how culture is important in our church. And, and culture is defined as this. All the ways of life, including arts, beliefs, and institutions of a population that are passed down from generation to generation. See, culture is a way of life. Culture is, is, is a certain tradition, certain way uh, that we do things. It's something that's passed down from generation to generation. And, and a good example of that is, is family. Family, every family has a specific culture, right? Every family has a, a specific way that they do things, a certain traditions that they have. And as I begin to think about that, for those of you uh, who are married or if you're dating anyone, usually your spouse or your boyfriend and girlfriend have a, have a different culture than you. Usually they, they grew up differently. Usually their family's different. And when I think about my family, there's one thing that I know uh, that you guys may, may or may not know. One thing about my family is we're competitive. Like if, if there's a winner at anything, any game could be anything, we're going to fight to make sure that we win. I mean, I mean, even if it's just a, a, a simple game of Uno, th there really is never a simple game of Uno. We, we are playing, it's personal when they, when they draw that skip. It's personal when they draw that four. I mean, my, I mean, okay, my dad, okay, let me tell you right now. Okay, let me just tell you how competitive we are. He will not let us leave the table until he wins a game. I mean, my daughter's crying, and, and we got to go. She's tired, but we're not, he's not letting us leave until he wins a game. Now, I realize that when you get married, your spouse might have a different culture than you. I learned that as I got married to my beautiful wife, Linda, and as she started to play Uno with us, that she's not competitive at all. In fact, she loves to help the other person win. Now, I, I loved it when she helped me win. Like, okay, babe, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. But the moment she helped somebody else, oh, man. I, br I brought out the rule book. I, I did everything to make sure that that's not how you're supposed to play. You see, whether or, not we, whether or not we know, we're all part of a culture. 
We're all part of, of something, uh, of, of certain traditions. Some families have healthy cultures, but also some families have toxic cultures. Some families, all they do is party and drink, right? Some families is, maybe they promote violence. Maybe it's just a bunch of worldly things going on. Let me tell you something. Whether it's healthy or toxic, the crazy thing about culture, whether it's right or wrong, if you do nothing to change it, if you do nothing to defend what you have, it will be passed down from generation to generation. See, the same thing goes for our church. The culture that has been established at Reach Church is not by coincidence. It's not by chance. The culture that we have has been established and defended since I can remember. You see, we have a culture of discipleship. We intentionally raise up men and women of God to fulfill the call that God has for them. We have a culture of worship. If you notice, every service, we begin with worship. Every service we begin with, with giving, giving Jesus glory. You see, we prioritize the presence of God. You see, everything means nothing if the presence of God isn't here. Lives can't be changed. Lives can't be healed. Addictions can't be broken if the presence of God is not here. And we intentionally defend the culture that we have at Reach Church. You see, tonight, now... Every church has, just like families, every church has a different culture and, and a different way that they do things. And I understand that, and, and that's okay. Different cultures of different churches is not a problem. But tonight, I want to go over what a kingdom culture looks like. You see, if any church, if, if you as a Christian want to establish a kingdom culture, I believe we can't stray away from certain things. Tonight, I titled my, my, my message, and I'm usually not very good at titling them, but I did it anyways. It's defending a kingdom culture. You see, when it comes to the church and as Christians, I believe some of us have been defending the wrong culture. Some of us have been defending toxic traditions, toxic mindsets, toxic views of the church, and it's hindered the church and you as a Christian. Tonight, I just want to go over a couple things that I believe that as a church should continually defend. And if we haven't already established in our lives, in our home, and in our church. You see, when it comes to a kingdom culture, we need to always defend these two things. Truth over trend and being kingdom-minded. Can you guys pray with me? Let's pray. So, Father, we, we thank you, Jesus, for tonight. God, we thank you for your presence even now. And Lord, I pray, God, that every word that I speak, God, that they would hear your voice and not mine. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would get all the focus, God, that you would get our attention, Lord. We pray that you remove any distractions, God. We pray that you would get the glory out of everything in here tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Rocky, do you mind continue playing? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Marcel. Are you good to do that? Okay. Let me give a shout-out to Rocky over here playing piano. I, I love Rocky. I love uh, the Muniz family and all their, their whole big tribe. And shout out, to, shout out to all them, all right? All right. See, I, I believe when it comes to defending a kingdom culture, we need to defend the truth over trend. See, a lot of the world's culture today is inching every day further and further away from the truth. 
I believe the world's culture is twisting their morals, twisting their values to, to fit the world that we're in. You see, the sad thing is it's not even people who are just in the world. These are Christians. Christians who believe in the same Jesus we do. Christians who read the same Bible, yet their beliefs are different than us. These people are manipulating the word of God to fit their narrative. And it's creeping more and more into the church today. Preachers are saying it's okay for for women to get an abortion. Christians are defending the right for same-sex relationships. Christians who are saying, well, you know, I don't think there's just one way to get to heaven. You know, I don't think Jesus really meant that. You see, the unfortunate truth is it's come to a point where it's become popular to believe what's trending rather than the real truth. It's become popular to, to repost what that woke pastor is preaching. It's become a trend to be Christians who, who, who their minds are just open. It's become a trend to, to have an open perspective on, on the word of God, that you just need to live a good life, right? You just need to manifest the good vibes into the universe, right? It's, it's become more about your truth, his and her truth, than about the real truth. Yeah, I need to clarify tonight for anyone in this room that may or may not know what the truth is. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus told him, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and the life. Let me tell you, the truth is not up for debate. It's not a question. It's, it's not left for your interpretation on what this scripture means. The Bible is 100% clear on what the truth is, and Jesus is the truth. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, world, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has, that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the Word. He's always been the word. You see, before we had the, the, the physical copy, right, the, the Bible, the source of God's message was through the prophets. That's why if you ever, if you read any of the book of the prophets, they always start off with, hear the word of the Lord. Hear what God is speaking to us. The Lord spoke to his people through his prophets, and then we have the word. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Since the very beginning, God has, has been speaking to us through his word. Whether it's been his audible voice, whether it's been through the prophets or whether it's been through the actual word of God, the Bible, you see, the Bible is just not, not some book. The Bible is just not uh, something you read every day. It's the living word of God. The Bible was written for us by God. It's the truth and the only truth that this church and that every Christian should live by. You see, I believe this world, unfortunately, is ignoring the word of God. It's ignoring the word of God and it's starting to write their own truth in it. And slowly, by, little by little, it's taking a seat in our church today. 
More and more the gospel is being changed. More and more uh, we're seeing Christians and even churches back down from defending the truth. Churches are, are changing their entire values, changing their entire beliefs because they're too afraid to offend anyone. Changing everything because their foundation was built on sand. Let me tell you, and you, you probably heard this before, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. You see, I'm here to encourage the Christian and the church tonight that the truth that we end up defending, the truth that we allow to have a seat at the table is going to be part of the culture. Let me ask you, what culture are we going to see in the next five years? What will the truth be in the next five years? Will there even be a truth? Will there even be something that we can depend on in the next five years? As I was going over the sermon, as I was preparing, I began, uh, I was reminded of the book of Galatians. Recently, about a couple months ago, Reach Youth, shout out to Reach Youth, we, we, we did a study of the book of Galatians. We did a study of the book and, and a study of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And the more I studied it, the more it looks like our world today. You see, in, in Galatians, Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia and at the time, there was tension between uh, the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, when it came to the truth about being saved, there were different views being shared. At this time, and this time, the, the Jewish leaders had, had, had a custom of doing things. They had a certain culture uh, of doing things. You see, the Jews believed that the non-Jewish Gentiles, or non-Jewish believers, which are Gentiles, like, like you and I, must obey Jewish law and traditions. They believed that if a person was saved by following the law of Moses in addition to their faith in Christ. You see, well, why is that a problem? Well, if you read the Bible, if you've ever been to Reach Bible Institute starting uh, every Tuesday for the next six weeks, if you're part of Reach Youth, you should know why that's a problem. Paul was preaching something different. In fact, he was preaching the truth. If you don't know, Paul's message was simple and clear. He says, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Doesn't say, you have to, doesn't say you have to follow all these traditions. Doesn't say you have to follow all these rules. We're saved because of the sacrifice Jesus did on the cross. Can you guys give me some, some more monitor in here, please? Thank you. So here we have the Jews believing that you have to obey the, the, the Jewish law and live by all their traditions in order to be saved. And Paul is saying that the only way we're saved grace through faith in Jesus. And I'm going to read this for you guys in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 through 10. It says this, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we've preached to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. In verse 6 and 7, it says, you are, not following a different way, you, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, 
but it's not the good news at all. See, Paul is confronting the churches of Galatia that, that people are preaching a different gospel than the one he brought. I mentioned earlier that they were preaching that in order to be saved, the Gentiles had to follow uh, all the Jewish laws and traditions, that their faith in Christ was not enough. And if you really think about what they were teaching is, is basically they were teaching that salvation wasn't actually a free gift. That salvation really is, is just the reward that is acquired by doing certain deeds. They were creating a culture around the false truth. The moment people turn to requirements, the moment people turn to deeds to obtain salvation is the moment they deny the power of Christ's death on the cross. If they were true, if this was true, then Jesus died for nothing. There is no gospel without Jesus. Those who preach any other gospel without Jesus, Paul tells us, let that curse fall on that person, meaning that person deserves hell. The Jewish leaders were, were leading the Gentiles down a, a path that was leading towards destruction. They were preaching a gospel that didn't really involve Jesus and pretty much it was basically leading, uh, basically the blind leading the blind. In Matthew chapter 15 verse 14 it says, they are blind guides leading the blind and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Now let me give you a better understanding of what that looks like. You see, the blind leading the blind, meaning the person that, that's leading can't see. And so as I was, a couple years back, you know, we did this big remodel at our church. Um, you know, it was during COVID, we, we had some, some time to do it. And so a couple years back, me and a, me and a I'm not gonna tell his name, but me and somebody were working here, right? And what we were doing is, what we were painting the ceiling. Now, unfortunately, we were spraying it, but unfortunately, we didn't have an extension, right? So what we had to do in order to get closer is we had to use a scaffold, right? And so a scaffold is a platform that kind of goes higher. And so I'm all the way at the top, and I'm the one painting. And I thought, you know what? It's going to be a long time for me to paint in a certain position and then to move my own scaffold. So I'm like, you know what? Renee, do you mind moving me to certain positions, right, every time I spray a certain section. You know, probably wasn't the best idea, right? I said his name, Mary, sorry. Uh, it, it probably wasn't the best idea. But, you know, we thought, Renee didn't want to do it, but we had to get the job done. So we're painting the ceiling black, and as you paint something black, it gets darker in the room. Um, so we had plastic up, and all the paint's going off the plastic, so it starts to get a little dark. And so in the moment, I have someone who really can't see on the ground because it's so dark. And you have someone up top that can't see as well. So pretty much the blind was leading the blind. <laughs> and so I kept telling Renee, Renee, every time you move, we make sure you watch the step. Right? Every time you move, we make sure that, that I'm not going to go off the edge because if a wheel goes off the edge, it's going to be bad. And so he's leading me, but he can't see and I can't see either. And I, I want to just show you guys this video real fast. Yeah. There we go. That's what happens when the blind leads the blind. Why don't you, why don't you replay that video again so you can see what really happens. Look at that.
Thank you for Matthew kind of making sure I was okay. You guys can take it down. That, that's what happens when the blind leads the blind. Yeah, you know, I, think, I think it's funny, but spiritually, that's how some of you look. Following your own views, believing what you see on Instagram, believing a different gospel that doesn't have Jesus in it, believing that there's more than just Jesus, it's the blind leading the blind. You see, I believe the problems with, with a lot of Christians today is not necessarily that we're blind, but we become so lenient around values, we become so lenient around our certain views and beliefs that we become so quick to entertain what's trending that unknowingly we're creating a culture of weak and lost Christians. If we as Christians don't defend the truth over trend, if we don't stand up for the truth in our jobs, in our schools, in our churches, even on social media, if we don't do anything, this generation is going to be lost. A culture who stays silent is no better than a culture who outright sins against God. In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, If anyone then knows the, the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Think about the, the, the parable, right, of, uh, of the, the master and three servants, right? The, the master gives uh, one servant five, five talents, the, the other servant two, and the other one one. And we know the story, right? The two servants end up multiplying what was given to them. But the one servant hid it and didn't do anything. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 29, the, the master says this. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even with what little, what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into our outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Your actions say more than you would realize. Whether you choose to do something or nothing at all. You see, Paul realized that the Jews were creating uh, a, a wrong culture. They were creating a culture that, that, that was just false. And he immediately defends the truth. He immediately writes a letter to the churches in Galatia. Regardless if it was uh, the unpopular opinion, regardless if all the Jews were upset, he immediately stood up for what was right. You see, in this world today, especially now, there's always going to be people who want to pervert the good news. There's always going to be people who want to distort it, and I believe it's for two reasons. One is either they don't know the full truth, or two, and I think a lot of people say on this one, is they can't stand the full truth, so they have to twist it to fit their needs. See, I believe the Jews couldn't believe that the Gentiles could be saved without getting circumcised, without even being Jewish, and they could be saved. And, and so I believe they try to change the gospel to fit their needs. They try to change the gospel to make them look better because they couldn't handle the truth. That's a lot of Christians today. We're so consumed with our life, so in love with our sin, that we will distort the truth to allow us to keep living the same way. Some of us believe that just because we don't agree with everything in the Bible, that we can just pick and choose the things that we want to, like it's some kind of build-your-own-belief. Well, the things that I don't agree with, well, you know, that doesn't apply to me. Okay, I'll take this, I'll take that. Let me tell you, some of us think our opinion carries more weight and power than the Word of God. 
Let me tell you something right now, and if you get offended, I'm sorry. You know, it's out of love. Your opinion has no authority. Just because you said it doesn't make it true. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it true. Well, I don't think I, I, I don't think it's, it's wrong for people to, to be in the same sex relationship. I, I think it's I, I think it's wrong to correct someone and tell someone how they should be living. Well, if you've read the Bible, you know that when Jesus ever touched someone, he says, "Go and sin no more." Meaning, okay, go, but don't go back to the same way you were living. Go, but you're changed now. You're stepping into the new man that you were called to be. Just because you think it, just because you feel it, just because it's your opinion doesn't make it true. See, Jesus is in the Bible. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The true gospel sometimes, it's going to offend us. For us, sometimes, some of us, it offends us with our pride. Shows us that we need a Savior, right? Shows us how jacked up we are, that we can't do anything to receive salvation. It offends the way we live sometimes. Some of us don't like to be told that we can't live the same way we were living. Don't allow your pride to rob you of the true gospel. You see, the gospel is very simple if you really think about it. We were full of shame. We were full of sin. We are full of death, and we, we deserved hell. It says, but God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to forgive us of all our sins. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 through 6, it says this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. We all needed a Savior. We were all dead to sin, but Christ loved us so much that he died for you and I. He died for you and I to give you a chance to know him. See, when it comes to establishing and defending a kingdom culture, we need to always defend the truth over trend. And lastly, we need to always be kingdom-minded. It says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win their approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul's first obligation first was to please God, not man. Paul refused to reshape his message just to please his audience. He refused to leave certain things out for the sake of others. Paul says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. For Paul, it was that simple. I either please God or I please man. Let me tell you, if you're pleasing man, you're not pleasing God. Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You're either with me or you're against me. You know, there's, there's no middle ground. You know, Pastor Omar says, you, you, you can't be on the fence. Why? Because the devil owns the fence. Therefore, if you're on the fence, he owns you. You see, what being kingdom-minded is, is this. It's understanding what God loves and what he hates. Paul came to a place where he understood what God loved. He understood what pleased God and he decided to do whatever it took to please him. In Colossians chapter three, uh, 1 verse 16, it says this. For in him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We were created through God, but also for him. We were created to please Jesus with our lives. In order to please Jesus with your lives, you first need to know the truth. When you know the truth, your life is a reflection of that. You see, if you're pleasing, if you're living to please other people, if you're living to please your family, if you're living to please anything else over Jesus, it's worthless. Our true purpose in life is to please him and him alone. See, I believe too many of us are, we're, we're living for ourselves. Too many of us are maybe even living for other people. But the downside to that is we fall right in the trap of the enemy. You see, the devil doesn't need you to worship him. Doesn't need you to like dabble in some witchcraft and do these crazy things, right? Crazy rituals. In fact, he can care less if you do any of those things. All he needs you to do is come so full of yourself. Become so full of others. Become so full of pleasing anything else that there's no room to please Jesus. It says in Psalms chapter 10, verse 4, it says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Kingdom culture is a culture that pleases God in everything they do. It's a person that says nothing else matters than what God loves. Nothing else matters but to please Jesus. And check this out. It's our job to defend the kingdom culture. It's our job to establish and continue the culture that God wants to see and ultimately see be passed down from generation to generation. The only way to establish and maintain a kingdom culture, and I'm ending with this if I can have uh, the rest of the worship team come up. The only way to establish this is, is it starts with you. I read something on, on Instagram from, uh, if you guys don't know, from Ultra. And what, this is an organization ran, uh, run by Marcel Muniz, right? Shout out to Marcel. Pretty much this organization helps uh, ministries achieve purpose through organization and strategy. He says this about culture. And I loved what he said. He says, culture is a silent language. When you realize that you're sending a message without words, you'll, you'll begin to build the right cultures to send the right message. It starts with you. Let me tell you, if you're not willing to model the right culture, the culture that gets modeled, whether it's good or bad, will always come out on top. See, there's three types of people when it comes to culture. Three types of people when it comes to uh, shaping the culture, establishing a culture is this. One, those that make things happen. These are the people that, 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 that they model the culture that they want to see. This is what the culture will eventually become. Two is those that watch things happen. You know, these people sit back and watch. Usually these are people that have a lot to say about the church. These are people that have a lot to say about the culture. But in the end, they actually do nothing. And lastly, those who don't know what happened. These are people who just come and go, people who don't know the culture at all, and just sit and leave. Let me ask you tonight, which one are you? 
I'll tell you right now, the kingdom of God is looking for servants, not spectators. Servants who will defend the truth over trend. Servants who will be kingdom-minded. Jesus is looking for men and women who will make things happen. He's looking for people to model and defend kingdom culture. Not people who are undecided. Not people who are afraid to stand up for the truth. He's looking for a culture that serves and pleases him. Let me tell you, if you can't model or defend the right culture, we make ourselves vulnerable to whatever this world has to offer us. Parents, I'm going to talk to you for right now. If you don't establish a kingdom culture in your home, if you don't establish a kingdom culture in your family, the world's going to establish it. If you don't establish and defend the culture that you want to see, something else will establish it. Something else will model a culture that you may not want in your family. Church, if we don't defend the kingdom culture that we have here, the world is going to take a seat in the church. If you don't stand up for something, you're going to fall for anything. I believe, church, it's time that we defend a kingdom culture. It's time that we be like Paul and we make a stand for the right culture. It's time that we defend the truth. It's time that we be kingdom-minded. You decide what culture you want to be a part of. You decide what culture you want to see. It's on you, church. Don't, don't leave it up for the next person next to you. What's established right now is going to go from generation to generation. If you establish it right now in your family, you're going to see it go from generation to generation. I see my dad. He established something in us, a culture that we're going to serve God, that we're going to do whatever it takes to please the Lord. And because of him, I'm able to teach that to my daughter. Because of him, I'm able to see that go from generation to generation to generation. Why don't we bow our heads tonight? If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed. So I believe Jesus is here tonight. I believe Jesus is, is in this room. See, tonight... If you're in this room and maybe you haven't given your life to the Lord, if you're in this room and you're, you're not serving Jesus right now, I want to give you that opportunity. If I can tell you anything about Jesus is he can save your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been, how you grew up, the type of culture that you've been a part of. Jesus is willing to invite you into his. Jesus is willing to meet you where you're at. It doesn't matter who you are. You can come boldly to Jesus. Tonight, if you're in this room and you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you're in this room and your life is not committed to serving him, I want to give you that opportunity. You see, Jesus died on the cross for you and I so that you can just have the opportunity to serve him. See, that's the thing about Jesus is he died on the cross knowing 
that you would have to make that decision. See, it wasn't a guarantee that we were going to serve him. It wasn't a guarantee that we were going to be worshiping him. He, he left that up to us. So Jesus died for your sins that you can be saved at just the chance to meet him. So if you're here tonight and you're not serving Jesus, but you want to, I want you to just lift your hand. If there's anyone in this room, just lift your hand and say, Jacob, I want, I want to accept Jesus in my life. If there's anyone, ushers, I need you to help me if you guys see anybody. I'll tell you right now, Jesus will change your life. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. I see that hand over there. You see, Jesus is in this room and he's given you the opportunity to know him. I see that hand over there. You see, we're not going to grow through this uh, grow through this fast because this is a very important time of the service. Jesus wants to meet you. And he wants to show you how much he loves you. And he wants to show you that whatever you've done, he's willing to erase that. He's willing to erase your sins. He's willing to forgive you of your sins. All you have to do is ask him. All you have to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need a savior. It says in the Bible that while you're still sinning, Christ died for you and I. See, Jesus knew what you were going to do last year. He knew what you were going to do even yesterday, even today. And yet he still died for you. Just so that you can have that opportunity to know. So I'm going to ask you again, if you want to receive Jesus in your life, why don't you just raise your hand? If there's anybody. Maybe you made this call before. Maybe you've committed your life to him before, but maybe you kind of walked away. Maybe you kind of did your own thing for a time. I see those hands. And you're sitting there and you're like, Jacob, I need to recommit my life to him. If you want to make that recommitment, why don't you just raise your hand? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. See, I believe Jesus is here and he's just waiting to love you. He's waiting to forgive you of your sins. He's waiting for you just to call on him. It says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. So I'm going to ask one last time before we change the order of the service. If there's anyone in this room, whether it's recommitting their life or doing it for the very first time, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand. All right. You see that hand? Thank you. All right. For those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to just look up at me. You guys mean that? You mean that over there? You mean that? If you meant it and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to come meet me at this altar. I want you guys to come out of your seat. I know it's a little, a little nerve-wracking, but I want to have the opportunity to pray with you guys. Let's see you guys, man. Come on. Come on, church. It's people that that are giving their lives to Jesus. How you doing? I think there's one more. 
right. If we can have the church stand, I'm going to have some of the ushers pray with you guys. And if we can have the ushers kind of lead them into, into the sinner's prayer. Church, I, I talked about defending a kingdom culture. Talked about how we need to defend the truth over trend, that we need to establish being kingdom-minded in our lives. If you're in that, if you're in your seat and you're saying, Jacob, I want to defend that culture. Jacob, I want that culture to be part of my life. I want you to come up. If you're saying, Jacob, I need to do better at defending the culture, I want you to get out of your seat and come up to this altar. We're gonna pray with you guys. Come on, I believe there's more people. I believe there's more people that need to defend the right culture. I believe there's people that need to step up, that we need to stand up for the truth, that we need to stand up for the kingdom. Come on, church, begin to pray. Begin to ask the Lord, Lord, help me. God, help me stand up for what's right, Jesus. Help me stand up for the kingdom, God. God, help me depend on the truth. Lord, let us never waver from the truth, God. Let us never depend on our opinions. Let us never depend on what somebody else says, God. But let us depend on the word of God. Let us depend on the truth, Jesus. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you'd raise up a generation, God. Raise up a generation that puts first your kingdom, that puts first your truth. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.